0: Today on Gaming Raid, I pack it up and pack it in on Pac-Man 99. Hello and welcome to Game and Read. My name is Peter. And I'm Aaron. And welcome to this week's episode of Friday Reads, the weekly podcast where we talk about what we're reading and playing, what we were reading and playing last week, and some topical recommendations for your listening pleasure.
1: You can find the Game and Read podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Game and Read. Last week, my Friday Reads was The Hunting Wives by Mae Cobb and... I had higher hopes (laughs) for this book. (laughs) Um, It has all the elements that I love. It is set in Texas. The main character has moved from Chicago. Um, There is lots of money in this small town that she's landed in. Drama, socialites, crazy, you know, wealth, exorbitant. See, that's drama. why we can never
0: move back to Texas, Aaron. As long as- So I'm going to get murdered. As
1: long as- Well, a husband did not get murdered. Oh, okay. Um, does
0: a wife get murdered?
1: A wife does not get murdered. Who gets murdered? I'm not going to tell you oh, in case-
0: But so not a long husband long or a wife. Not <laughs> a
1: husband or a wife. Um, But- And then there's murder, right? And so I was really excited about this book. uh, But it just was not- what i wanted it to be um you follow the main character and she is trying to fill her days she is like a blogger a home blogger she has a young son who's like 3 um and her husband works all the time and she just feels like i guess a little unfulfilled Like she's missing something and she becomes obsessed with the kind of richest woman in town. Richest um, mom in town, we'll say, because the woman's parents are probably the richest people in town. But uh, this obsession leads her into a social media kind of stalking situation. She orchestrates Um, events where she can run into this person and eventually gets invited to join the Hunting Wives Club that uh, is kind of this elite group of these really wealthy women friends.
0: So what did you not like about it, though?
1: It sounds great, right? It sounds sounds like like something you would enjoy,
0: at least, you know, in a very pulpy way.
1: So my first issue is that... The care the main character, I'm blanking on her name. This is like how much this book did not stick in me, in my in my brain at all. I, the main character has this obsession that she sort of tries to explain away by like, oh, when she gets to when life gets too good, she starts feeling restless.
0: Gotta and make I, some drama, stir the yeah, pot. Yeah,
1: and I just don't like that. I think that's <laughs> a, well, no. I should say I sh- I will clarify. I think that's a little bit of a weak uh, motivator for the sort of obsession and risky behavior. Like, oh, I'm sorry you live in a beautiful house with a loving husband and an adorable child, and you don't have to... You get to decide how you spend your days, and you're not hurting for money. Like, boo-hoo.
0: So you don't like that she kind of premeditates her own self-destruction?
1: Yeah, I didn't like that. She also... The obsession situation gets very sexual- um which i wasn't expecting and i don't actually think does a lot like i think <laughs> that the author wanted it to do more than it did for the story like i think that the idea of the sexual relationship is supposed to make the main character more of a suspect in the murder that does happen um but it it just felt like overkill um I don't know it just didn't feel it felt like a disjointed book and it felt very shallow in that it just when you dig in there's not a lot there but it's not not in the way that like what I would think of as a beach read where it's like very plot driven this is also like not super plot driven Hmm. but it's also not super character driven like it was just sort of slice of life kind of but also weird like a secret hunting club plus maybe weird illicit um adultery happening it just I don't know it felt a little bit off to me so I wanted to really enjoy this book I really really did (laughs) But alas, it just is not one that is going to um, go on my recommend list. and It is not one that is going to uh, st- clearly be in my brain for very long because I can't even remember what the main character's name is. Was.
0: was it a three star or lower?
1: I think I gave it two and a half. Ooh. I can give half stars on <laughs> library thing, which is what I use to track my books. So I think I gave it a two and a half because I did like – I did want to finish it Mm -hmm. like I did feel I was interested enough to finish it but it just wasn't very satisfying so it was like a solid right in the middle nothing amazing nothing horrible kind of book. With all the reading I do I am bound to read some mediocre stuff. I I'm lucky that much of what I read for Friday Reads has not been mediocre. I've tended to really uh, enjoy and rate highly the books that I have highlighted on the podcast, but alas, the day comes that I have a mediocre book. So uh, that is my Friday Reads update, uh, The Hunting Wives by Mae Cobb.
0: Last week, I decided to play two different multiplayer games on the Switch. Uh, Those two games were Pac-Man 99, the recently released uh, Pac-Man Battle Royale game, as well as Ninjala, the ninja kind of Splatoon-y Battle Royale game. You know, got two different types of Battle Royales going on here. Now, starting with Pac-Man 99, this was, and still is, you know, free to play as long as you have the online subscription. And I enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's fun. It's good. Do I want to play it a ton? Not really, but do I enjoy it while I play it? Can I get kind of on a roll? Yes, but it's not something that I'm like itching to go play more of right now. And I think that's just, I like Pac-Man. It's not my favorite arcade game. And I had some, some decent success. I got my highest place was four. Hey, I got to fourth place out of 99. And I got a handful in, you know, like the top ten slot, so I was pretty happy with that. Couldn't quite get to a number one slot, but that's okay. And I think the mechanics they built around it makes sense. I think it's a fun little experience, but I'm glad it's free because I, you know, if I had paid for it, it would have felt a little shallow. And obviously, that you can buy the whole game, which involves like, oh, like a CPU battle and a more like traditional score attack, but. I don't really want to buy Pac-Man. I enjoy playing Pac-Man on like an arcade cabinet when I'm at a place that has it, particularly miss Pac-Man generally. So it's just not something that I've ever been really driven to play on a home console. Unlike, say, there are some arcade games I like to play at home. Like I like playing Galaga and stuff just on a console. That's fun.
1: Yeah, Pac-Man does not strike me as the game to play at home, like the arcade game to play at home.
0: I'm I'm sure there are plenty of people who like it who are just, you know, big Pac-Man fans. And I think this does a decent enough job. So really, the way they make it into a battle royale is that it's only one stage of Pac-Man. It doesn't change stages at all. And as you eat ghosts, when you get power pellets, you are sending basically little slowdown traps to the other players. If you run into those things, they slow you down. They add in this, uh, basically this, you can add ghosts, where if you eat this certain thing, it basically makes a big line of ghosts behind one ghost. And then if you turn them blue with a power pellet, bam, you eat them all up, you get a big combo. Uh, Additionally, the the little fruits that you can pick up, those kind of reset your board when they appear after you eat them.
1: Oh, so like Tetris 99, when you clear rows, obviously that helps reset your board. So with Pac-Man, it's getting the little... Fruities,
0: yeah. Well, that'll like put the pellets back and give you a restock on power pellets so that you can keep eating the ghosts and staying alive. Gotcha, and you just keep doing that until you die. And when you (laughs) die, you get you know whatever rank you're currently in. Um, eventually, it's not just the slowdown ghosts, there'll be these kind of like red evil Pac-Man swimming around, and if you touch one, you just die. So they just like add extra obstacles, they don't chase you as much as say the ghosts do. But they do add a lot of additional stress as you're getting into, like, you know, the top 30 range. Um, and so those kind of become the the primary obstacle. And, you know, it, that, that's kind of what it is. You just survive as long as you can, and hopefully you're in first place or, you know, a high place that you're proud of. And it's it's fun. If you, if you have Nintendo Switch Online, spend 20 minutes with it. You know, have a good little time. I just don't foresee it being a long lasting thing similar with tetris 99 i enjoyed that i'm sure i could pick it up and play it again and have a good time but i'm not really driven to do that because it's just you know i had my fun with it but it doesn't get a whole lot deeper like there's not like a meta game changing around it it's just kind of a fun do you want to play competitive tetris here you go (laughs)
1: It seems like the kind of game that you like remember every six months, and you're like, "Ooh, that's a fun thing t- for me to go play thirty minutes of," and then you get your fill for another six months, and like you yeah. revisit it like in big chunk after big chunks of time.
0: Right. Well, and that's what a lot of arcade games are like, where. Unless you become a real obsessive and you go all Steve Weeby on it, there are kind of these fun experiences you can play. You try and get a high score for a while, and then you put it away because it's just not that deep. It wasn't designed to be that deep. And so it's just interesting to see that kind of play out in this sphere with these fun little online games. I'm glad they're doing it. I want to see, I'd like to see other arcade games like it. Like I said, I'd love to see a Galaga one. Um, I mean, personal favorite if they did a Centipede one, top notch love centipede although i guess you don't have the the trackball controller for the uh the switch and that is the best way to play centipede but yeah no pac-man 99 it's it's totally fine um i wouldn't recommend paying the 15 dollars to like unlock everything i gave them two dollars because i bought the dig dug skin because i was like i like dig dug i like the character design on dig dug so i play as a dig dug guy instead of a pac-man and i think that's fun (laughs) But Pac-Man 99, it's it's totally good if you have it, but I can't imagine this is a huge incentive for getting. I guess it'll it'll keep people interested in Nintendo Online. I can't imagine it'll be like, oh, I gotta get Nintendo Online, I gotta play Pac-Man 99.
1: It's not the dr- it's not the reason people are signing up. No, but it
0: Nintendo might be the Online. reason some people stay if they're not locked into something like Splatoon, like I am, where I'm always gonna pay for Nintendo Online because I want to keep playing Splatoon. The other game I was playing, Ninjala is the more deep, more dynamic game. And that's why I wanted to do two this week. And I was a little surprised with this game. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought it was going to be a little bit more Splatoony. y um, Obviously, there's no ink or like turf coverage, so that completely takes away that whole concept of Splatoon. But it's it's a fun little game. Once again, I don't know if I would want to pay money for it, but since it's free, I don't need to worry about that.
1: I okay you spent so much time blowing bubbles the little bit that I watched, I, I know like you had mentioned oh maybe it's gonna be like Splatoon and then I was watching it and the it seems like bubbles is the 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 paint of Ninjala
0: well yes because these ninjas are kid ninjas so they love bubblegum and they incorporate bubblegum into their attacks and their movement in kind of fun ways. So you can blow up a bubble. You can use that as a shield. You can use that to do like a dash boost. And then if you collect enough of this particular type of energy, you can use it to upgrade your weapon. And then you so can also use it to do like special ninjutsus Like I can make a bubblegum tornado that'll like kill everybody by me.
1: So it's both a currency because it lets you upgrade stuff, but also. I don't know if a
0: currency is the best way to describe it. It's more like a power up because it's only in the match.
1: God. Oh, so it's not. It doesn't yeah, yeah. upgrade like, things in, match, but in a match. If with you the gum.
0: kill enough of these like little drone CPU things around, you can basically make a giant bubble gum bubble and then upgrade your sword, which comes in handy because this game is all about melee combat with one another. Um, there's no real ranged attacks there are some dash attacks but really it's you're getting up and you have to like whack somebody with your big ninja sword or your big ninja yo-yo or your ninja skateboard (laughs) because it's all very you know fun and kiddie radical you know it's like nickelodeon ninjas it's fun
1: it it Looked fun, but it also looked complicated. It is. I feel like you were pushing <laughs> so many buttons. I could hear you across the room, like the mash of the buttons on the controller. That's how I knew you were playing it. The
0: combat system they built is definitely a bit more complex than Splatoon, but that's because they have to rely on a melee combat system rather than just a I shot you before you shot me. Gotcha. Like, you know, Splatoon, where it's, you know, it can be a bit more simplified because it's a third person shooter with this turf based coverage. Um, instead what they have to set up is like, okay, if you are like basically going mano a mano against this person in the battle Royale, how do we make that work where it's not just everyone whacking each other? And the way they do that is they kind of like, when you get locked in combat with somebody, you start kind of a parry off. So you kind of get locked in like, like your swords are hitting each other. And then suddenly like a directional, like graphic pops up. And you can pick up, down, left, or right. And they are also picking up, down, left, or right. And it's kind of a rock, paper, scissors scenario as to who gets the upper hand in that moment. And then you lock it again until somebody loses all their HP. And they get, you know, knocked against the wall and stuck with bubble gum.
1: It all comes <laughs> back to the bubble gum.
0: Yeah. And it's it's pretty satisfying. I did surprisingly well. I'm not sure if it's only because children are playing this game or if I'm just pretty good at it.
1: The quote my, The quote is... Um. did no one else play the tutorial? That's what came out of Peter's mouth the other night. Well, the,
0: there was a very long tutorial and I went through all of it because I wanted to know all the, the moves. And then it just felt like a lot of the characters I was playing were, even as I was like leveling up to whatever, uh, just didn't seem to know that. Occasionally, like every match would have like one or two other players who were either better than me or about the same as me. And then everyone else just stunk. And I don't know if that's just because there aren't enough people playing this or if it's really got a younger demographic because it's a free-to-play game about kid ninjas. But, you know, as an adult who likes the, these types of games, I'm kind of like, uh, there's no reason a kid has to be bad at a video game. <laughs> I'm not the be-all, end-all. Um, but I did do surprisingly well where I was generally in the top three, if not the, the winner of most of my matches of, you know, eight people in a battle royale. They also have this interesting thing where you get points not just for, like, killing other players, but for breaking these drones that I mentioned earlier. So whenever these things pop up, if you, you know, destroy them, you get a bunch of points. You can also power yourself up that way so that if you get in a stalemate during a um, a parry off, uh, whoever has the bigger weapon will then win. So that's why it pays to have the bigger weapon. Because I also think it does more damage, probably. And so... You know, it's just interesting where they build some extra stuff in there as to how you build points and it's not just about getting the most like there I had several matches where it's like the person in 5th place got the most knockouts but I guess they weren't doing anything else or they won by like one knockout.
1: Gotcha. So you can you can like kind of rely on trying to be the one with the bonus. You could be like, "Oh, I Am going to focus on getting these drone things because I know I will get the drone bo- or I yeah. get the drone bonus or whatever. Yeah, so
0: drones will give you points in the moment, and then if you kill the most drones, you get a five hundred point bonus. If you get the most epons, which are like the super kos, you get a thousand point bonus.
1: Interesting. So there's some strategy of like how do you want to yeah like how do you want to rack up points?
0: Yeah, well, and you get points for being in a fight basically, and not just getting knockouts. So if you land a few blows, but you get knocked out, you still get some points from that. So it's pretty fair overall, I would say, as far as how they score you. Um, but it's just pretty enjoyable. And then there's a lot of costume options, and that's where they make their money. You can you know, pay for their in-game currency to get cooler outfits and cooler-looking weapons. But I, I didn't spend any money, and I had a pretty good time with it for probably about five hours um, of just doing matches and the tutorial um, but I, I if if you got a Switch and you got Nintendo online, give it a try. I would still recommend Splatoon 2 way heads and tails over this game, but that costs $60. So if you want a, a freebie game to play or mess around with, Ninjala is a pretty decent option and I could see it, you know, having some deeper gameplay. I don't know, but as of right now, it's just a pretty fun little game. I definitely enjoyed it more than Pac-Man 99 just cuz it had A deeper feel to it the stages were fun the design was just kind of you know enjoyable and neat um so yeah ninjala pretty pretty good for free
1: my friday reads this week is what you wish for by katherine center I will be honest, I picked this book because it's got a beautiful cover and it's about a librarian. Uh, so <laughs> I had not heard of it before. I have heard of Catherine Center, the author. She's written a bunch of books, including Things You Save in a Fire, which got a lot of buzz uh, when it came out. But What You Wish For is her newest publication. It came out in 2020. And it is about a woman, Sam, who is a librarian at a private school in Galveston. Uh, I did not know. I want to be very clear. I did not know that it was taking place again in Texas until i had already picked it out and read the first chapter. So no one can come <laughs> at me. Don't come at me. Um, <laughs> it was a coincidence. I also didn't read the author bio, which says she is from Houston. So um, it was just that my Texas spirit gravitates towards other Texas spirits or something like that.
0: Whatever you want to tell yourself.
1: (laughs) So this book is about Sam. She's Like I said, she's a librarian at a private school in uh, Galveston, and she is very close with the like founder headmaster and his wife um she lives in their carriage house and uh the book starts with a tragedy um and a new head of school is brought in and it so happens that it is someone that Sam already knows but uh she doesn't just know him she was um infatuated with him they worked together and he is the reason that she left her other school and found a new job and now he's coming <laughs> to the school she's at she thought she'd escaped uh he, she did not but when he gets to the school it turns out that he is not the same person that she remembered from 4 or 5 years prior And she has to kind of grapple with her feelings about the school, about him, about herself. So it is definitely a lighter book. Um, The themes are not super heavy. Our book club book this month is a pretty, pretty intense read. Um, The Known World by Edward P. Jones is our book club book, and it's about slavery and uh racism and it's very intense so i picked what you wish for in part because it is a lighter book it takes a little less a little less brain space it was a little less depressing than reading about (laughs) slavery which it is a good book i do want to say so far I am enjoying the known world, asterisk. Um,
0: (laughs) It's just a, it's a, it's a darker book just based on subject matter.
1: Exactly. So, so what you wish for, I've read the first couple chapters uh, and I'm enjoying it so far. It is exactly what I wanted in a book uh, to counteract the, the depth and the intensity of the other book I'm reading. So I am excited to see kind of where it goes. I like so far, I like the character Sam a lot. Uh, she's uh, like 29. <laughs> so she's like around my age that I am now. And she's a librarian. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> I want to be a librarian. That's. But you happen. don't want to
0: have to go to library school.
1: Well, I would go to library school if someone paid for it.
0: <laughs> okay, you don't want to pay for library so school. If I don't you, want to either.
1: <laughs> if any of you out there want to sponsor a librarian <laughs> and pay for me to get another master's degree call me um anyway so that's what i'm reading this week uh my friday reads is what you wish for by katherine center
0: my friday read for this week is actually a friday read woo yeah i've decided uh i'm gonna do a uh a comic this time around because when aaron was at the uh library i happened to also be at the library with aaron and took a uh a stroll over to the the comics and graphic novels section and saw something that just uh, piqued my interest a little bit. So I'm going to be reading the first volume of Dororo by Osamu Tezuka, uh, or Tezuka. I'm bad at Japanese pronunciation, but this is a manga that looked a little interesting to me about a samurai who, or a ronin samurai, who doesn't have his own limbs because they uh, may or may not have been sacrificed by his father to some evil demons.
1: That's a lot. Yeah, and so but intriguing.
0: It's 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 one of the shorter runs of manga from Tezuka. Uh if you're unfamiliar with Osamu Tezuka, he is kind of the godfather of manga. He created books like Astro Boy, his very long-running series on Buddha, uh, Blackjack, a a million others. Um and I've read some of his work. I read about a third of that Buddha series. It's really long, as well as some of the uh, the Blackjack books. And, you know, I think he's got a really interesting style. And it's so interesting to see how he influenced all of, especially Shonen manga. And it's just, they're, they're still really good reads and interesting and fun and just good, good comic stuff. So I picked this up just because it looked interesting and I've never read it before. So I'm going to be reading the first volume of Dororo, by osamu tezaka hongi hmm. hongi tara tara hongi tara pong hongi hongi tara tara
1: hongi tara pi poki poki zamun aaye hai na he zamunai toru toru zamun nahi ra he ra hero hero zamun nahi henda he ra mero mero zamun
0: aaye hai
1: If you are a Top Chef fan, you know that Top Chef started at the beginning of April. And
0: (laughs) this is important. What a way to open. This
1: is important because my recommendation is a book by Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. Uh, My recommendation this week is Love, Loss, and What We Ate by Padma Lakshmi. Uh, This is a memoir of Padma's life. Uh, She uses food and recipes to tell her story of growing up in India and living in all sorts of places, trying to um, get into the entertainment and cooking business, how she ended up a top chef, her relationship with uh, Salman Rushdie. Her struggle with endometriosis and um, just the the stress and anxiety of being a woman and dealing with anxiety and um, depression, but through the lens of food. And I loved this memoir. It, I mean, I love Padma anyway. I've watched <laughs> Top Chef for many, 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 many years. Uh, And so enjoyed her as a person before she wrote the book. But then I found her story really interesting. I mean, I didn't know anything about her other than she was the host of Top Chef. And I love how she frames things around food and her experience of cooking and eating and sharing food with other people and people she loves and throughout the book there are recipes of course because what is a food memoir without recipes Uh, and it's just really fantastic so if you're a food person if you're a top chef person or if you're a memoir person I would absolutely recommend that you pick up love loss and what we ate by Padma Lakshmi.
0: Alright, it's week two of uh, Peter's 3DS recommendations in honor of its uh, 10-year anniversary, and this one is going to be a little bit of a blanket recommend for the Shin Megami Tensei series, which, while it does heavily predate the Nintendo 3DS, a lot of its kind of initial popularity in Western markets, especially in America, is came in the, the DS and 3DS era, at least for, for, you know, my knowledge of it. It's always been kind of, and it still is, a bit of a cult series of games. Um, but I first took notice with a DS title, and then I got really into some of the the 3DS titles they released during, you know, the early 20-teens.
1: We played one of the Shin Megami Tensei games in, in our first Iteration of Game oh, and Read. Yeah. <laughs> yo, player. those weird, those games are, that game is weird. And right. That's what I, like, I enjoyed it, but it was, it was a trip.
0: <laughs> yes, if you're unfamiliar, Shin Megami Tensei, which I believe is, the translation is like the, the goddess reborn, something along those lines, is a series of Japanese RPGs in which you tame and control demons to fight other demons. It's
1: like a more intense Pokemon.
0: A little bit. Th- some games are much more Pokemon centric than others.
1: That one we played was a little more Pokemon-y.
0: Definitely. Well, and actually in the um, the early 2000s, they fully tried to make like a uh, Pokemon red and blue. <laughs> like it was called like Demon Kids or Demi Kids. <laughs> I love and that. I really want to try it sometime because I think they made it very like straight up Pokemon down to like having two versions and everything. The, the collection and training and exchanging of these demons to make them more powerful and level them up is one of the kind of core features of how you progress your combat stats. And generally they are, I think they're almost entirely set in Japan. Um, normally there's some sort of big apocalyptic thing going on. And then you have to often um, fight God or fight something similar to God. And it's, uh, it's an interesting time. Uh, Persona is a spinoff of this series and that's why there are a lot of similar designs especially in the monsters and demons that you fight. The difference being in that in Persona they're always figments of the mind rather than actual demons. Now specifically for my recommendation I'm going to recommend uh, SMT Devil Survivor which is originally a DS game that they then re-released on the 3DS. That was my introduction to the series and I love it. It's kind of it's a little bit turn-based, it's a little bit tactical, and it's a very fun game set in basically a crazy happenstance happens in, you know, downtown Tokyo and a bunch of teens get stuck in the middle of it and they need to, you know, learn how to tame demons to fight other demons. I I really enjoy it. I, it was the first one of them that I played, the first one that I beat. Highly recommend. Additionally, Shin Megami Tensei 4 uh, also came out on the 3DS and that is a a very interesting one definitely a different pace kind of has a a medieval setting that then takes a very big turn and twist that I don't want to spoil but it's it's cool it's very good and eventually there's supposed to be an SMT game on the switch but who knows when that will actually come out but if you have a 3ds you have I think like six different Shin Megami Tensei games you can play and not to mention there's like the Persona Q games which are kind of mystery dungeon spinoffs of it so you have a whole lot on that console for shin megami tensei if you want to do some japanese role-playing game demon fighting so congrats on i guess not quite 10 years for some of these games over 10 years for some of them
1: for this week's episode of Friday Reads. You can find all of our past Friday Reads and all of our pairing episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc. Go hit subscribe so you never miss an episode.
0: You can also find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at Game and Read, and we also have an Instagram with that same handle.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Bookish Textpat, and I am on Instagram at A Tale of Two Shelves.
0: Our intro music was written and performed by Avery Murchison, and there's a link to his band camp in the episode description.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: We'll see you next time and breathe.